1: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love.
0: hello everybody and welcome to episode three of the stacy west podcast um i'm ben and i'm joined by gary hello i'm gary and, uh, yeah, we are here to talk about everything Lincoln City related. We have dropped the name blog from the podcast, but we've kept the name Stacey West because I think that was what most people decided on sort of calling it in the end. And it's, that's, that's about right, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we wanted maybe to be a little bit edgy and put something different in there, but generally I think people are more bothered about what we say, not what we call ourselves. So, um, Stacey West blog it is, podcast it is. There's me though. I have like, I've got it wrong already.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Stacey West podcast is uh, is the, uh, the, the the decided name for it going forward. We might give uh, some of the episodes, you know, unique names instead of just sort of episode one, two, three, or whatever. We might put little puns in and things like that, but uh, we shall see. You mean like the one with sweary ban? The one with Sweary Ben, yes. I, I must apologise for last week. If it, if anyone was offended, <laughs> it was uh, it just got it got to me. Fortunately, um, last night's game, uh, as we record this on Wednesday, um, last night's game, I, I managed to get away before the crowds got too bad. But then I think that was only because there was about four thousand people in the ground. Um, right, we'll start off uh, talking about the wonderful result, at Exeter on uh, on Saturday um i was pleasantly surprised by this result because i thought uh as most people did i thought this was our first real test in the league and i think going to exeter after they you know did what they did in the playoffs and and got to wembley and everything like that i think going there and getting a 3-0 win was uh, was something that i definitely didn't expect but something by the sounds of it was was thoroughly deserved would you say
2: yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'm like you, I didn't expect us to go there and win the game. I thought if we came away with a point, that was going to be, uh, it was going to be a really positive outcome. Uh, and I wasn't really basing it on the playoffs. I know that Tisdale went and they t- lost a couple of key players as well. And, you know, I was under the impression that they were going to be a little bit more compact, a bit more direct, a little bit, dare I say, more basic, but, but more attacking. So, you know, they'd started really well. And Mm. there was a part of me that kind of thinks, you know, you do that long journey down to extra. I mean, for for Lincoln fans of a certain age, you you know that when you go down into Devon, traditionally we're going to struggle. I mean, I'd I'd never, ever remember us winning away at Plymouth, for instance. Um, Mm. But it didn't go like that. I mean, obviously, I think that the training at Bristol City helps. It breaks the journey up. The boys are very fresh. And in John Akindi, we've suddenly, in my opinion got the best striker in this division. And that's never happened in my lifetime. we have I've never looked at the division and gone, actually, of all the strikers in the division, I'd rather have him. And he's taking some time to get going. But mm-hmm. for me, if you're putting penalties away and making a nuisance of yourself while you're settling, and then you come into a game against Exeter, and to be fair, he would have scored the own goal. You know, the defender was left with no choice because he had made the run. Um, no disrespect, Matt Reed doesn't make that run. Matt Reed mm-hmm. is four or five yards ahead of play and the defender boots it upfield. That's what we get in. And for me, it was the first game where we really saw the impact of John Akindi.
0: Yeah, I I fully agree. Um, You know, I've only seen the highlights. I I wasn't at the game. um, Didn't number of different reasons. Basically, one of them was that I didn't really fancy the trip down. Um, But it was, um, yeah, it, it sounded, on the radio, it definitely sounded... Like, you know, we we essentially did what Danny said we needed to do, which was put in a professional performance and, you know, make sure that we come away with, with something at the end of it. And fortunately, that something was all three points in a, a very convincing display. Um, the, the one thing that I did say at the time was that it sounded on the radio very, very physical. Um, and it's something that we'll come on to a little bit later on as well uh, after looking at the Checker Trade game. But the... Um, it Exeter sounded a lot more, you know, like you say, for, for want of a better word, they sounded a lot more direct. They sounded a lot more, definitely a lot more physical. Um, and that surprised me a little bit, if I'm brutally honest with you. Um, I didn't expect them to see, well, I didn't expect to see them, you know, having people potentially going in the book and, you know, people throwing elbows about and, and I know Tom Peck got a little bit of stick for, for going down and staying down for a bit, but apparently if you've seen his eye, he's uh, it's, it's well, understandable why he went down. Um, but yeah, what, what would you, what were your thoughts on, on that kind of um, news coming out of the ground? And, and did you get the same sort of feeling?
2: Well, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm going to be a contradiction here because I'm going to say one thing about Exeter and then I'm kind of going to flip it over when we when we talk about um the the Scabs, um, but they got five bookings, Exeter, and I think what we're seeing there is Lincoln City reaping what we sow um, to a degree. Now, I'd, I'd, again, that's not negative. You know, I'll hold my hands up. We've been physical. Matt Reed is a physical player. Um mm-hmm. lots of opposition fans point to the Checker Trade final and go. He could have killed Dean Henderson. Um, I actually mm-hmm. think he was severely misjudged. I think in slow motion, it looks like a malicious assault. In real time, he's protecting himself. But but that's by the by. We, we we are viewed as a tough team, and I think Exeter wanted to match fire with fire. I think it's part of their new identity as well. It's it's kind of like you know, we're not the the Paul Tisdale side, which will pass sideways and backwards, and you know once every so often dip our water and dip, dip our toe in the final third. Um, and I think that, you know, that they, they had a game plan and it was to stop us playing. And what we do is we actually go and play now. We don't kind of break the game up as much, um, And so I'm not going to criticise Exeter too heavily for it. I do think that they were a little bit over-physical. I think it was picked up sensibly by the referee. I think our boys didn't indulge in it. Um, You know, we came away with the win. We're going to see, when we're at the top of the table, that there's going to be rougher, tougher teams than them are going to want to take bigger bites out of us, like sort of... um, I mean, it might be harsh to label them because I've not seen them play yet. But someone like Macclesfield, who are twenty third and need to fight for every single point, they're not going to think twice about kicking John McKinney three or four times if it's going to stop him scoring goals. So, yeah, yeah, I kind of get it, uh, Ben. If if I'm honest, I don't condone it, but I get it.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I'm. I don't. I I think the thing for me was that I was very surprised to hear it, given you know the the fact that last season they weren't that kind of team. And I know that that's such a cliched thing to say, like, you know, if a player, if a player gets sent off and, you know, does something that's absolutely ridiculous, you get people going, Oh, well, he's not that kind of player. Is like, well, he probably is that kind of player. And I, I don't think Exeter were that, were that kind of team last year. Um, But I mean, like you say, I think that that was the way that they had to combat us. And that was the way that they, they had to play to, to kind of try and stop us from scoring. Cause it, it sounded like we could have gotten, probably a couple more if we'd have you know really really pushed on but i i, I don't think anyone would have said before the game you know 3-0 away win will uh, will be the, the the result of it but
2: yeah, I do. I, I just kind of going back onto that. I do think there was an element of physicality about them last year. I think Stockley's always been about the elbows, and I think one or two of the centre halves were kind of big old burly lumps. Um, but they, hmm. they have, they've just stripped it back to basics, and you know we, we made a success of it. Certainly so not so much maybe in the national League, but certainly there were some games last year where you know we stopped Luton playing by sticking two players in front of defence, and every time anyone tried to get anywhere near, they kicked them and we have to hold our hands up and say that we've done it in the past and, and we'll do it again in the future. Um, and I think there's a, there's a level and I think Exeter's level was, I hesitate to say acceptable, but it was just inside the line of what I would deem to kind of be a tactic rather than just outright thuggery.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that's fair. Um, So that was our long trip down south, which saw us remain at the top of the league, which is still a bit of a foreign saying to me and a bit of an odd concept. But uh, yeah, top of the league at the moment. We're three points clear. So regardless of what happens at the weekend, we will remain top uh, into next week, Um, which is a really nice feeling. You know, even though we are six games in, um, it's nice to be... It's nice to be the king, isn't it, just for once?
2: Well, I don't ever remember us being top of the table for a period of time. I mean, I remember under John Schofield, we had a fine win away at Swindon, I believe. Jamie Forrester scored and he capped off a week where we'd beat Rochdale 7-1 and Barnett 5-0. And that was the last time I truly felt we stood a chance of getting out of the basement division. But we were knocked Mm. off relatively quickly and there was always yeah you know, there's always been a frailty about us hitting the top there's always been a like um like ah oh, we've got to the top let's hang on as quickly as we can oh no we've been knocked off whereas <laughs> right now i kind of feel that it's it's almost like a natural progression it's almost like we're at the top come and get us and we're not clinging on we're stood there with our chests out and our fists clenched just literally taking on all comers and anyone that wants to have a go can do and at the minute when we've got our full first eleven out, I don't care where we play or who we play, we stand a chance of winning the game.
0: Yeah, I, I think um, the... I, I was listening to the uh, Not The Top 20 podcast a bit earlier on today, and it it was a little bit frustrating in a way, but at the same time, it was quite nice to hear them just go, Lincoln won again. We're not going to talk about Lincoln anymore. They've got one of the top three spots. It's like, oh, okay. It It's nice to hear us get that kind of recognition I waited forty minutes for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much the same. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's quite nice to hear that. Um, it, it's good to see that we've got the, you know, we've got the team, we've got the recognition, and we're we're getting, we're getting better as the seasons as as seasons progressing. I mean, I, I from the sounds of it, again, I, I didn't think we. <laughs> we sounded like we were struggling at any point during the game. I thought we, we did really, you know, we sounded really strong. I thought um, you, you mentioned there about Stockley and his elbows. I think, you know, him and Bozzy got a little bit more acquainted than he would have liked to have done. But uh, the, the interesting thing for me was when I was listening to the radio again, going off at half halftime, um, Michael Horton was saying that Bozzy was very calmly talking to the referee. And I thought, that's something that I've never seen before bossey just gets his head down and gets on with it regardless of what happens so for something to to tick him off that much to go and have a chat with the referee it must there must have been a lot of needle there from from stockley at least but we'll we'll move on from um from exeter um and we'll move to uh, our defence of the Checker Trade Trophy, which began last night with, or Tuesday night as you listen to this, um, with a loss to, um, I mean, was it Mansfield Town Football Club or was it, you know, Mansfield Town Amateur Boxing Society? It was, It you mentioned about Exeter not being thuggish. I mean, Mansfield, let's be honest, they were.
2: <laughs> you know i i mean i tweeted probably 25 minutes into the game asked what i was watching because i you know the first 10 minutes were even i know you know we, we scored a good goal um a re- and let's cover that first it was a well-worked goal from Juan luke winning the ball on the edge of his own area mm-hmm. a lovely move down the left Toflo and Mensa just i mean Mensa just glided down um Harry Anderson's subsequent cross in from the right, just everything about it screamed team goal. And it was an easy finish, but it was a well-worked goal. And then we gave a stupid goal away. Adam Crooks gets a lot of the stick. Sam Slocum shouldn't be beat that easily from that angle. Mm. Um, And then it just descended into a farce. I mean, it it wasn't even tough tackling. It was the ball had gone, let's kick his heels away. Or, I mean, sometimes the ball was five yards away and they were taking players out after they'd gone it. It was almost like one of those um, comedy montages where prison officers are playing prisoners at rugby and it shows you all the dirty off-the-ball stuff and the little sniggers and winks. It it, it was, to be honest, it, it was disgusting. And yeah. I think Danny's post-match comments were spot on that Mansfield did not care if they picked up yellow cards because there's no consequence. Whether they were looking to take out players to affect us in the league, mm, dubious. But then when you see Harry Anderson knock the ball on and, and uh, three seconds later somebody steams into him and leaves him in a heap on the floor. I, I, I was yeah. I was just I was I was appalled, Ben. I don't know what your thoughts are.
0: I mean I was I was sat there and you mentioned about, you know, after about twenty minutes in or so, it just descends into a farce. I think the point I realised that hang on, this this referee's lost the game, it wasn't even one of the dirty challenges. There was um there was a moment where the ball went out for a throw-in and being sat in the co-op and the atmosphere not being quite as loud due to you know certain sections of the fan base not, not going to the games. Um, it was really interesting because you could hear when people were getting agitated on the field and you could hear certain things being said. And there was one moment where a Mansfield player got the ball for a throw-in and he just kept taking two or three steps and just slowly walking forward with the ball. And you could see the referee sort of waving and going, "Stop, go back, go back." And then he started shouting at him. He's like, "Back, back, come on, get back!" And then he blew his whistle. He, he you know, he blew twice on his whistle. He's like, "Oi, come on, get back!" The Mansfield player didn't t- didn't pay him any attention. Carried on walking forward, then took a run up and threw the ball. Honestly, he must have walked about a quarter of the length of the pitch. And at that point, I just thought the referee's not been, he's not in control of this game at all. It's only going to get worse. And sure enough, you know, by the end of the game, you've, you've got a, well, what was essentially a 20 man brawl. Um, and it led to um, one of our, you know, it led to Michael O'Connor, deservedly so, I might, you know, I'll add, deservedly getting sent off. But how it got to that point in the game where there was 11v11, 11 11, I will never know. Because it, <laughs> I mean, there were tackles from behind. There were, like you say, little instances off the ball. There was just so many. Moments where I thought, "How is that? How how is that allowed to stay onside? Uh, on side, Sorry, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm going to talk about the linesman in a second. But, you know, how is that allowed to happen on the field? It's just it's it was ridiculous. Uh, I think the phrase I used at one point was uh, was dangerously incompetent or frighteningly incompetent, one of the two, because it, it just was. I, there was no other way to describe that refereeing performance last night. And I'm not saying that we lost the game because of the referee because we didn't. You know, we lost the game because we conceded two poor goals. Or you know one poor goal and one well one well worked goal because I think you know the, we'll we'll discuss that in a second but I don't like talking about referees because whenever we do it's always all oh, moaning moaning Lincoln but when you've got a team that just come in to kick lumps out of your out of your you know second string. I just think that Mansfield's game plan was was kind of similar to
2: one that we have, but we execute it better because we'll put the big lads on early doors when we go away and, you know, we'll rough the defenders up a bit. Mm -hmm. Reid is a handful and, you know, he's he's, he's tough and sometimes he's borderline. He's never quite as bad as they were. And then we send the good players on Mm -hmm. for the last 15, 20 minutes. You know, we bring Matt Green on when he's full of running. We did it against Swindon um, to a degree, but we we don't do anything like that. I mean, I've just actually been reminded of David Flitcroft because I'm sat in my office and I've got a nice view of my garden and a rat just ran past. Um, (laughs) And that, that kind of, that kind of makes me think of Flitcroft because whatever happens on the pitch um, at the end of the game, I mean, because Danny and Nikki are terrible. Don't get me wrong. I've listened to them on the sidelines. They're more foul mouth than a thousand Ben's talking about getting out the ground. They're aggressive. They fight for everything. <laughs> when the whistle goes, they turn back to the school teachers' kind of mentality that they're friendly, they're approachable. The Danny and Nikki we love, and for Flickcroft to then kind of flick Nikki's hand away and go for him and all of that, it's, you know, it. Uh, I thought Steve Evans had left the club, and it seems that he's left a mark on the club that whoever steps into the the tracksuit, albeit one half the size of of the previous owner, and um, just becomes and it's my turn, so it just becomes an utter arsehole, and I'm I'm, I'm bitter with lost, yeah. but that's not why I'm angry. We lost the game because. They wanted to win it more than we did because they brought on Tyler Walker and CJ Hamilton and went for it. And we brought on Jamie McComb, who's got, you know, for, for a, a football manager or a football coach, has actually got as much of a pot belly as I have. Or he certainly seems to have. I don't know if his shirt <laughs> Um You know, we. I'm not saying I'm not one of these fans that goes, ah, oh, we want to concentrate on the league. The truth is we do. And whether me or you want to as yeah. fans, the club know it. Rob Matepeace knows it. If you listen to Rob Matepeace's interview with Matt Reed after the game, he asked one or two questions about the game and that was it. Then they were just saying, you know, what's oh, it been like not getting many games? How how is it having John Akindi pushing you? It was almost like nobody cared. And they will care. Danny doesn't like losing, but at the end of the day I just I'll be honest, I'm not I don't think I'm gonna go to the Wolves under twenty one game because I, I just don't think that we... I don't think that we won it and I don't think there's anything there worth commenting on.
0: Yeah, I, I... I'm honestly in the same boat and this this comes as somebody that... You know, last year I, I didn't go to many of the Checker Trade games in the, in the sort of group stage and that wasn't because I was sat there going and boycotting it because of X, Y, Z. It was just because I kind of couldn't be bothered. Um, and well there were the reasons as well you know work and things like that but when you get to a point and i think to be honest i i spent a lot of time last night just sat there going i i don't really see an you know an overwhelming need or an overwhelming desire to to be here at the minute like it it was in the same kind of way that the you know the, the preseason friendlies played out it was the same kind of atmosphere it was the same kind of you know oh okay yeah well we'll give you know we'll give xyz a run out and can we, let's just talk about when we brought jamie McComb on for a second because i legitimately sat there with like my mouth was slightly ajar i was sat there thinking what ha- why is this happening like what why is jamie McComb coming on like i fair play to him, you know, at the minute his claim to fame seems to be that he's, uh, he's the slowest rated player in, in FIFA when it comes to speed. But I, I just, I didn't understand why he came on. And I think really that essentially summed up the attitude that, that we, we kind of said last week that we didn't think we'd see. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the, the fact that we brought on somebody that, that, with all due respect to Jamie McComb, I don't think he should have a professional footballing contract at this stage in his life. He's, you know, more of, you know, more than welcome to be part of the coaching team and and obviously he's, you know, that's that's his chosen path at the minute. But I was just genuinely shocked when he came on. Um, the same age as Jason Shackle. Really? 35. Bloody hell. <sighs> that I didn't realise. But, I mean, again, that, that sort of shows you, like, I... I'm going to double-check
2: that now while we're talking, just in case, <laughs> so I can retract it. Um, but yeah, that, as, as far as I'm aware, um, him and Jason Shackle are the same sort of age. I mean, I, look, I think when it comes to um, Jamie, he's, he's got a um, <clears throat> a contract to help us out and it was needed last night. I Had that been a league game, I don't doubt for one second that one or two of the injuries that we had would have been played through. Um, you know Wharton's Wharton's uh, suspension for me takes the Mick a little bit um last night we were we were broken by Ross Joyce one referee who, who's been a clown all his life um and uh, you know he, he took our notts county game last year at home 2-2 and he ruined it um and Seb Stockbridge who was the referee that sent off Scott Wharton um for Blackburn against Rochdale in the cup last year and it was in the first round and his suspension has lasted a year because he left them to join us on loan when, when the rest of Blackburn's games kind of um, kicked in and therefore didn't technically serve his suspension. So even though he was a member of our squad right the way through to the final, he wasn't serving his suspension because he was cup tied, and that trumps the suspension. It's just ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. He's sent off a year ago by a referee who, frankly, is a moron anyway. Um and now he's still suspended. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, again, I think had it been a more important game, we would have shuffled things around. I think when you look at the bench and very few people noticed that we had the um, young lad on the bench, Adabayo Smith. Now, mm. not many people know a lot about Adebayo Smith. Um, he was a, he had a trial at Watford, uh, very promising youngster. Didn't quite get a deal at Watford and came here on trial in the summer uh, and played against Derby under 23s. As far as I'm aware, I think he scored in that game. Now, there's a website called All Nigeria Soccer. They're big fans. Um, They put a a piece up when he signed for us saying he'll be near the first team very soon. Um, I'm just beginning to wonder if, you know, when you see him on the bench, is he? Is he a young lad? Is Is he close to the first team? Or is he at least close to kind of making a bit of a name for himself? But anyway, I mean, you know... That's the, that's the squad. You have young players. You have your Jamie McCombs. Um He came on. He did a job. Great. respect to him. I think he's a very important character behind the scenes. I think he's he's very influential. I think he stood by the club quite well, because th- as far as I'm aware, whether he still does, he certainly lived in Harrogate and was driving here. Um, mm. I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't an, an element of, of grooming there as well, if they're kind of uh, pushing a bit of the Cowley mythology onto to Jamie McCoom because then if... We got to League One, and if a big club came knocking, and Danny and Ka- Danny and Nicky were thinking, well, we're, we're as far as we can here. We're top of League One. This is West Ham. You know, is there some? Is there a natural successor in in house? And, and Jamie McComb might just be that. So that's that's where I stand on McComb anyway.
0: Yeah, and and you know, I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and say, you know, oh, why is Jamie so part of the club? I, that's not my intention with with what I said at all. I think you know, he he is a very important person behind the scenes. I was just genuinely surprised to see him, you know, pull on the red and white last night and and come on and and play for us, you know, as long as he did. Um, but we'll 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 move on from the officials. I think all we need to say about the linesman last night is that I, well, I don't think he could really understand the offside rule if you got out flumps and, uh, flumps and drumstick lollies to explain the bloody thing um, but the, um, the you know the way that the way that Mansfield set out was, was incredibly disappointing to see and what was really disappointing about it was that when um, you know when the two subs came on in the second half they actually looked alright you know they were playing some good football they were moving the ball about well and I thought their goal you know their second goal was actually really well taken Um it, it kind of cut us open at a, a point where I didn't really think that we we didn't look like we were being threatened all that much, but they they managed to get a shot off and it, it you know rifled in and and fair enough it was a very well taken goal, but I, I just don't think their their attitude to the game, like you said earlier, was was necessary, um, and the fact that you know at the end we were actually just about. To walk down the uh, down the steps in the co op when the, the the when the brawl broke out, and I, I cut I saw the put you know I saw an arm going across and I thought oh Christ here we go, and my initial thought was well if you've got one red card there surely there's got to be another one as well if there's a if there's a brawl like that there's no way that it's only coming from one side, um but looking back at it it. <laughs> I want to say it's six or one half doesn't either, but it's it's not really. I think O'Connor gets caught up in a you know in a in a, uh, in a, in a bad tackle and he reacts very poorly. Um, Danny was right to criticise him in his post match, but I, I just think if it hadn't have been as rough and tumble and you know a game that was played with as much needle as it was, I, I don't think we would have been in that situation. And I think it would have finished without as many cards being needed. Um, Cause I, I think six, do they get a fine if it's over five yellow cards per team?
2: I'm not sure the checker trade plays by its own rules. They probably get fine, but they only have to pay it on weeks when there's checker trade games or something like that. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I think of the, I think of the red card situation and we'll, we'll probably wrap up Crawley here, but I think of the red card, um, you're not telling me that one of those Mansfield players on a booking went flying in to get involved, didn't warrant a second booking. Um, oh Alexander no, absolutely McDon- not. I mean, Alexander McDonald was very, very lucky to stay on the pitch in normal time, but there's no condoning what O'Connor did. And uh, yeah, it's one thing that he'll probably hold his hands up has always, not dogged his career, but has always been one of his um, facets. Let's say is he's a bit hot-headed. You know, he was yeah. He was here. He was here uh, on loan originally because he had fallen out with a crew manager. Um, he's, you know, he's he is a hot headed man, and I think he's settled down a lot. But if you poke a wasp's nest, it doesn't matter how dormant it is. Eventually, a wasp's going to come out and sting you. And um, I think that's what's uh, that's what's happened. But look, we we I think we put it to bed, and I, I, I think we probably best move on and 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 have a look at the uh, the weekend's tie, which is when we play host to. Crawley Town. How do, you, how do you see that
0: one panning out? Well, it's the return of uh, the the crisp, folding wonder that is Olly Palmer. Um, I I, I want to kind of call you out on something a little bit that, that you said over the closed season, that as uh, initially in the first few games, looks like it might have come back and, and slightly bitten you in the arse, where you were saying about if Ollie Palmer's your number nine... You're not going to get that many goals and so far he's scored in all but one of their games and he's he's above John Akindi in the table of goal scorers now I don't think that's going to continue um, and I think you would be quick to join me in that in that uh, estimate but how how have you seen the the sort of rebirth if you like of, of Oli Palmer and, and do you think it's going to come back to nippers in the bud on uh, on Saturday? Oh, he'll score on Saturday without
2: a doubt. It's what Ollie Palmer does. He, he, he loves the big games. He loves the needle. He'll score. He'll run up to... He'll probably come and find me. He'll, he'll probably, if I'm sat in a box, he'll come round into the executive lounge as part of his celebration and find me because he, you know, <laughs> he likes to celebrate as well. Um, and then he'll find out he was offside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, I, I did say if Oli Palmer was your number 9 you weren't going to score a lot of goals or you weren't going to get promoted. I stand by that. Um I'd still say that Oli Palmer uh, will not score enough goals to get Crawley promoted. I think if he if he scored 40 goals I don't think he'd get Crawley promoted this year. Um he's I still think he's like Bambi on ice unless something mm-hmm. phenomenal has happened in the summer. Um he's ungainly. He's unorthodox. Um he doesn't know what he's going to do uh, until 5 seconds after he's done it. He constantly proved me wrong last year because every time I groaned that he came on um he would score, and every time I then backed him in a in a blog uh, he he would fail to score I just he 's an unknown quantity, but I think you can mark him out of the game if you know his game um, and and going back to the flippant comment about him scoring on Saturday, I would like to think that we know his game um well enough to be able to snuff out his threat. And uh, if he does score against us, um, I will probably go into hiding.
0: <laughs> I, I'm liking the fact that you didn't actually make a, um, you know, a, a bold statement there as if he does score against us, then I'll, you know, bear my arse on Lincoln High Street or something like that. Because I think it's it's almost inevitable that it's going to happen. Um, I, I don't think... <sighs> I'm going to say this now, I'm going to be bold with my prediction and, you know, watch me come on this podcast next week with my head between my legs, but I I don't think we've got a problem on Saturday. I I don't think we're going to really have too many issues getting past Crawley that, uh, you know, as of this recording, they've still not found a new manager. Um, There are, obviously there's rumours, but one rumour that was really bizarre was that yeah. Kevin Nolan was going to go and replace Harry Kuehl after Harry Kuehl had replaced Kevin Nolan, which I thought was one of the more bizarre stories of the week. Um, but I, It's not the most bizarre, though. Yeah, go on. Pierre-Luigi Casaragi. <laughs> you see, I genuinely thought you were going to say Pierre-Luigi Colina, which would have meant that if that had happened... I would have probably gone to every Crawley home game when we weren't playing at home because I would love to see Pierre-Luigi Colina as a manager.
2: It would improve the standard of refereeing in League Two, that's for sure. Can you
0: imagine, if, if Pierre-Luigi Colina was a manager, can you imagine how how clenched every single referee that comes out to ref against Crawley would, would be? You would be able to stick a piece of coal in between their cheeks and they would crap out a diamond every single week. It would be absolutely magnificent to watch, but no. Um, yeah. I think even if Crawley come into, come into the bank on Saturday with a, uh, with a new manager in tow, I, I can't really see them. I, I can't see them overcoming us at the moment. We, you know, we are looking incredibly strong. Um, I was saying to somebody the other day, we've, we've dropped two points in six games. How is that possible? This isn't the Lincoln city that I know. Like we, it's, it's the Lincoln City that I'm more than happily going to, you know, grow to love or grow to know. But it's it's weird to say that, you know, um, I, I just can't see them. I can't see them coming past us.
2: Well, I mean, I'll issue a word of caution because I went into the Crawley at home game last year with the same sort of, you know, we should win this, and and we drew nil nil, and they were very impressive. Um, we're focused on Oli Palmer, and and we're, we're probably doing one or two of their other players um, a bit of a disservice because uh, they've got, and I think he's the standing manager actually, uh, Philip Marias, who uh, was was at Bolton Wanderers, I believe. Um, now he's he's a real talent, and uh, you know he, he was a big signing for them, and I think I think was well backed in the summer. I think they sold. Um, baldy or balderwidgin whatever they call him and i'm sure there's some pronunciation of that that i'm getting horribly wrong um, to nots county and then there was a bit of a panic kind of oh god we've sold some good players we better bring some in uh, and so they signed Marius, and they signed um and again i'm sure there's a pronunciation i'm going to get wrong but um von, von from uh, bradford center half it's about vin i think hmm. um and they're two really, yeah, they're two big key players. I mean, the, the, I'll call him the big lad from Bradford, but he, he's going to be looking at, at snuffing out any balls that come into John Akindi, who will play. I'm almost certain it'll be John Kindy up front. Um, Marias has been playing on the right wing of a four four two, I believe. So he'll be up against Toffolo. Now, against Notts County, I boldly predicted that Toffolo would would get skinned uh, by Enzio, who would uh, Baldwin, or whatever his name was, uh, and it didn't happen. Um, again, I like Harry Toffolo, but I like him attacking and there's still a question mark over that He's defending certainly when his left center back is Adam Crooks, um, which it won't be this weekend. So, mm-hmm. uh, there's also Dominic Polian, uh, whose name I can pronounce correctly uh, first time. He came from Bradford as well. Now he flopped in league one, but he's very much a league two striker and, and Polian and Marias behind Palmer, are um, I've had the most amount of shots on target, I believe, for Crawley. So they're going to offer a threat coming forward. Um, but as you said at the the top of my uh, my little speech here, Willington see, City, um, we're currently on the best team in the league. We're looking down on everyone else saying, come and take us apart. And if there's a Crawley podcast out, podcast out there looking at our squad, I can guarantee that they can pick out more than three names who they're going to be fearful of. Um, we should win it. Uh, but there's uh, an outside possibility that Croy will come and shut up shop, shop and, and kick us off the park. So, you know, it's, it's another test. It's another big test of, of, of where we are and, and how we can take them apart.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not worried, but I'm, I'm cautious, I think is probably the best way of, of describing it. Um, if we, you know, if we play to our strengths, then... I don't think we've got any problems, but if we play like we did the other Tuesday night at home, then we might have something to worry about in the first half. Maybe I I just can't see as at the minute. We, we're knowing how to see games out. We know how to, you know, get in front, get our noses in front. And then I think this is the clever thing about Danny at the minute is last season, we were very good at, at getting in front and just sort of holding on for the result and maybe grinding a few out when we, we, could have gone on to get more. This season I think he's he's pushing forward because he knows we've got that talent up front and he knows that we can if we get one goal then we're more than likely going to go on and score another one if, if you know if if we can expose a weakness in a team. And I think the the ability that we've got in the squad now is such that we can we can look at things and go, right, okay. We know that for example, you know, if if they're right backs um, or if, yeah, if they're, if they're right back like a couple of weeks ago um, at the, uh, was it the county game? No, sorry, it was a Swindon game, it was a Swindon game, where their right back, you know, was was ageing a little bit, shall we say, or, you know, he wasn't quite the player that he once was. Danny knows that we've got the pace down that left-hand side to, to get past their right back and, and get across in, so... It's very easy for his. Well, I don't want to say it's very easy, but it, it you know, it, it's easy for Danny to sit there and go, "We can take this team apart, and I know how to do it." And I think he's got the confidence now, and the players have got the confidence to actually execute on that, rather than last year, like I say, when maybe there was a couple of people that, that didn't want to push that. You know, they didn't want to push the boundary, they didn't want to push that envelope, and, and they just sat back a little bit. Maybe, we think that's a fair statement to make, or.
2: Yeah, possibly. I, I I I think we're a better team. Um, I yeah, I absolutely buy that, and I think that we should absolutely one hundred percent win this game. They're sixteenth in the table. Um, and like you say, I'd, I think we've always been aware of, of of weaknesses that we can expose. A little bit harder when you're playing a team that just lost their manager. Um, whether they get a new guy in or not, even if they did. I wouldn't think he would be in the dugout now because it would be announced tomorrow, so it would be unlikely. Um,
0: go on, then, Ben. Give us yeah. a prediction. Um, I reckon it'll be uh, it'll be two one, with uh, a late Oli Palmer goal to to give them a little bit of hope. I'm going to go
2: for exactly the same score, uh, and I'm going to go for Ollie Palmer to put one in his own net, um, and finally uh, give me a a goal I can truly cheer and feel quite smug about at the same time.
0: Um, (laughs) Um, What what point in the pitch do you think Ollie Palmer is going to finish his celebration at? uh,
2: I think he'll probably finish it at my house. I think um, I think if he's got my home address, he'll run all the way here. I think uh if he scores, there will be a round of booze because he will not um hold back. We saw it against Mansfield. He didn't have a particularly bad time here, but knowing the character that ollie Palmer is, and, and I I do hear things which I can't say on the podcast as you know, and I just think there was elements to Ollie Palmer's personality that don't fit with the ethos that we have, let's say that much. Um he okay. will celebrate, and he will do it in yeah. front of our fans, and he will let them know that he feels he was wronged while he was here um I just hope he doesn't get the chance
0: yeah, I think that that was the thing that that's the thing that worries me a little bit um there was a there was something that went round um something that went around a while ago, i think it was just before the season started where um there was a few i think it was like a q and a that was done with Ollie Palmer. Uh, I think it might have actually been on his Instagram. Actually, now I think about it, um, and a lot of you know there was a lot of questions coming uh, going at him about Lincoln and and you know the the, the his, his time here. One of the things that went out, uh, one of the questions that got asked was, you know, do you see your time at Lincoln as as a positive or a negative or? Um, I can't remember the exact wording of it, but I think he he kind of said at the minute I view it with frustration, but in time I know it's going to be a good thing for my I know it will have been a good thing for my career. So I think you're right when you say that he's he's probably going to turn around and celebrate against us because obviously you know Mansfield fans gave him some stick when he when he played for us um, against them when he earlier on in the season um, and then when he scored uh, for us against them when we were playing away he obviously took great joy in that fact and i i just think that it's a lot of it's going to depend on you know on the uh, on the reaction that he gets at the start of the game um i hope he gets a good reaction because you know to be honest i think the, the club did the club did a lot for oli palmer i think oli palmer did a lot for the club and i, I don't think there's any real bad blood with any fans, to be honest. I think when he moved on, we thought fair enough. He's, you know, he's found a new club. He's going to get first team football. Good for him. At least that was my reaction. But I, yeah, like you say, I think if he does celebrate in front of us, it's it's inevitable, really, isn't it?
2: I think um, I think we'll, we'll probably take that as a cue to move on. I've spoke about Oli Palmer. More in the last five or ten minutes than, than I really think I, I, I would like to. I'm not a fan, and I think you know people knew that while he was here. Uh, I'm very reticent when it comes to criticising our own players. I try and do it constructively, um, but I wasn't a fan. Um, but we've obviously we've got a little bit more exciting news, and I can see the clock kick, clicking ticking down. Um, but we've got yep. a new director on board. Now we're recording we this. Can, indeed whilst it's actually under embargo, um, but we won't be releasing until afterwards. So, I mean, I I don't actually know if you know this, Ben, or not. Um, Lincoln City are delighted to announce that David Lowe's has joined the board. Uh, Just going through, David's worked as a chief marketing officer uh, for Europe for Samsung, which um, is good because I have a a, a Samsung phone and it's got a cracked screen, so he might be able to help me with that. (laughs) lived in Moscow, The Hague, and Singapore, so he's he's possibly bilingual. Um, but here's the killer. Not only is he vastly experienced and worldly wise, but David has been a Lincoln City fan since 1972. His parents still live in Lincolnshire, and they've been season ticket holders at Sinsel Bank for many years. Mm. Um He's got uh, experience of creative marketing communications, including brand and product advertising, public relations, and media. And he's led major product launches and events for Samsung. Um, I, I, I think the flip side to this is, first of all, David, where have you been for the last ten years? Because <laughs> you know, we probably needed you in in the conference. And um, but you know, joking aside, I think it's it's another very positive move by the board. Um, to bring somebody else on on board, shall we say i 'm saying that word too many yeah. times um with the investment and and with you know a wide range of skills, certainly in things like communications and 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 p r and media because I think some people believe that the club need to improve that area i I tend to think that they take a lot of a lot of stick to be honest and i don 't think all of it 's justified um but it's more expertise and it's another investor. I think
0: that's very Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um it's it's a positive move I think having somebody with with that kind of pedigree and somebody that has has worked at a, a well a mega corporation let's be honest at this point in terms of uh, in terms of Samsung in a position that sounds quite advanced, you know. Um head of marketing. Um, I'm sure he'll take this in the spirit that it's intended. I mean, head of marketing at Samsung is essentially looking at the Apple website, seeing what looks nice and taking down the ideas. But he he seems like he's done incredibly well for himself. And and I'm glad to have him on board as a director because he sounds like he's got his head screwed on.
2: We're not a real podcast, Ben, are we? Because all we do is sit here, praise the board. Um, Podcasts shouldn't do that should they <laughs> shouldn't do that we should be pulling the board apart but again at no point in in certainly in my lifetime have we had um such a diverse board you know I, I think we've had as a board that's as popular I think when Rob Bradley kind of saved the club from complete and utter extinction I think that the board were incredibly popular so you know I don't think it's uh it, it's an oddity um but he just adds another string to the bow. I mean, I, I'm you know, I'm a personal friend, or I'd like to think I am, uh, of Roger Bates, who you know, I think is a, a great bloke on the board. He, you know, he started off just like me and you, but you know, right in a fanzine before podcasts are available. Um, we've got Clive, who every time I talk to Clive, I feel enthused. I think Clive could make me believe more or less anything. He's got a very gentle manner, but he's also got a kind of a, a, a slightly forceful manner as well, which I think is good. I just think that in terms of where the club are off the pitch, there's work to be done. I appreciate that infrastructure and a lot of the other stuff, but I think the right people are in place to do the work. And I think whenever we get an addition now, we're not reading down about what money they're putting in or anything like that. The, f- the, f- we're always reading about what they do what they bring to the board and with the greatest of respect they're not local businessmen done good they're not the local carpet guy who's you know just inherited 70 grand wants to buy up on the board and turns up to the meeting in his loafers and sports jacket or whatever these are these are serious people these are proper businessmen Mm. these are people that have performed with big companies um and i I, you know the only way is forward
0: yeah Uh i it, it's a it's it's a weird time to be a, a Lincoln fan. Um, it's it's a wonderful time to be a Lincoln fan, but at the same time, it's very weird. Like looking at things from from perspective of you know, there is a man that once remortgaged his house to make sure that his football club that he supported didn't go out of business, and he became the chairman and led us to what was at that point one of the most <laughs> i want to say nearly successful like one of the the most kind of semi successful periods in the club's history where we you know we got to the playoffs you know for for as many years on the trot as we did we we had two trips to cardiff and you know everything there that that stemmed from robby like you said it it was nice to to be involved with that and you know the position that i was in at the time i was kind of involved on in a little bit more of an advanced level but Rob was um, Rob was a really nice guy to, to be around and to talk to as well, and I think um, yeah that that feeling of of a community clubs come back with with Clive and Danny and Nikki and and uh, you know obviously Bob before he uh, before he took uh, took his leave is uh, has done absolute wonders, and I think um, I, I think there are a number of people that have been at since bank for quite a while now. And, you know, obviously some of the new guys that have come on board. Um, I think there are several people there that will, it, well, if I had it my way, they would never have to pay for a pint in the city again. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, but I think that's a good point to wrap it up. Uh, it's always nice to see new investment coming in. I think it, like you said, it's, it's nice to see that we've not even mentioned, you know, the fact that there's money changed hands with, with him coming on board. um, I know there were some financial things that may have come out a few weeks ago, a few months ago, but that might have been for something else or another director that came on. But I think, you know, we've not even begun to probe the amount of money or what, you know, the money that's changed hands or the money that's gone into the club. It's just we've got a director that's got some serious business acumen about him and it's only going to help the club. And we'll see what happens from there. I think just to
2: bring this director thing to a close, there was a cash injection. People saw it on the accounts or wherever they look. I mean, I, I don't tend to involve myself a lot in that. Um, that cash injection seemed to coincide around the time that John Akindi came to the club. So you have to wonder, um, mm-hmm. did somebody put their hand in their pocket to help bring the best striker in in League Two to our club? Um If they did, it would be very typical of the club not to want to promote it as well because they're not um, about that kind of self-promotion as I know, you know, I touched on it. I won't talk, but something that they have done very recently for me that it's not under embargo, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're not, Publics—they don't want to go. Kind of go out there and shout about the things that they do. So, um so I, th- I think yeah. what we'll do—we're we're, going to have to move on to plugs. I've, I've just actually glanced out my window, and David Flicklos run past again. So I'm going to have to go and fire up the air <laughs> rifle in a <the> minute. Um, <laughs> we'll move on to plugs, and I, I shall go first, if that's okay. I can see we're just ticking over Absolutely. time-wise very, very nicely. Um, I'd like to, first of all, to plug the new fanzine. It's a very, very limited run. Um, I think when you printed, a, I say I think, I know, because I ordered it, uh, 150 off. I think we've got about 40 left. Um, they're going to be on sale before the Crawley game. Um, three quid a pop, very funny. Lots of other people writing in it instead of me. So you know it's going to be reading the same old tosh that I churn out every day. Um, yeah, lots of people uh, contributed to it. Chris Ray doing his cartoons, which are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, George Willoughby, who's a, 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 say a rival blogger, but you know, we're all imps, aren't we? Um, which makes me cringe a little when I say that. Um, so yeah, that's my first plug. Second plug, more important plug, uh, author Ian Plenderleith. Now, he wrote a book called Rock and Roll Soccer, which was the definitive story of the uh, the failed American Soccer League, the one with Pelé and Bobby Moore and uh, et cetera. He wrote a book of short stories, which are very, very good, a reference Lincoln as well, called... Um, for Whom the Ball Rolls, I hope. I read it, but I'd, I'd, I'd read the stories and can't quite place the title. He's written another that book. That is he's an su-
0: excellent title, if it is, by the way. That is superb. He,
2: uh, Ian Plendless, fantastic writer. Um, he was a contributor on one of the very first Deranged Ferrets. Um from Market Raisin, but he, he's gone on to be a, an international author. I mean, he lives in Germany. He's, you know, he's He's what I would call a proper writer. Um, he's going to be at the game on Saturday. He's got a new book out. It's called The Quiet Fan. It's about being a football supporter. Um, I haven't got the copy yet. I'm due one very soon, um, hopefully in the post. Um, as I understand it, it's snippets about being a football supporter, but taken from the perspective of individual matches. And so there will be some from Lincoln and I believe some references from, from his other travels around the world. Um, honestly, if you've got a little bit of cash in your pocket and you've bought all my books already, uh, I think it would be a good opportunity to pop along and um, have a chat with him. At least if you're not going to buy a book, go and say hello to him, man. Because otherwise he's going to stand there, the poor fella. He's over from Germany and I know what it's like. It's, it's thankless when you stood there. Um, but his book is going to be very, very good. It'll be a very, very good read. And uh, yeah, I strongly suggest going over and, and having a chat with him on
0: Saturday in the fan zone. Excellent. I'll, I'll be sure to uh, to head over and have a pint with him. Would you like to plug anything yourself, Ben? Um, just the regular stuff. Uh, Next Gen Base, nextgenbase.com, Twitter slash Next Gen Base, YouTube Next Gen Base. Um, I played a lot of that new Spider-Man game this week for the PlayStation. It's really good. I say I played a lot of it. We got it on Friday and it's a massive game and I got a review out for it on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm feeling the effects of playing about 20 hours of a video game over the course of three days, but uh, it's really good. So go check it out. Um, yeah, that's it really. Keep this, the plugs short and sweet this week.
2: Well, I think you've done very well, mate, because we're 53 minutes, which I think will we'll probably end up about 50 after I messed up at the beginning. Um, but you're still awake. So... Well done. Uh, And I think it's certainly a a goodbye from me until episode four.
0: Absolutely. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye-bye.
2: It's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow, you've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.